<clears throat> All right. Well, welcome to our Twitter success podcast. My name is George Cisneros, along with my co-host, the Apostle. He's in charge of recording, transcribing, and basically everything that's done under the hood, except for when Twitter just randomly decides to shut down a space. He has no, uh, no control over that. I schedule the guests, I promote the show, and I ask questions that hopefully give you a ton of value. So that's what we're all about tonight. We want to have fun. We want to get to know Joey Cypreneur, and we want to, uh, to give you guys... Let's go ahead and get started. Tonight, we're sitting down with Joey, aka Cypreneur, and we'll be talking about flow state. We're going to be talking about mental clarity, sleep productivity, and, and all kinds of very interesting things about his life. Um, I, I honestly can't even wait. This may be the most, uh, I've been looking forward to this Twitter space more than any other. And that says a lot because I think tonight is number 12. So we've had some amazing guests, but I am so excited. Like we talk the same language. And I cannot wait to talk to you about this. So basically, this is a masterclass of human optimization. Joey, man, it is really great to have you on the show. I just want to say welcome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. So um, <laughs> just all kinds of stuff tonight. So uh, we have a ton to cover, so I want to dive right in. First things first, what is the tattoo on your right arm? <laughs> well, I can't tell if it's an omega or is that the number two? What's going on? Well, both actually. So the symbol is a thing that I created. It's an omega symbol with a 21 inside of it. So that wow. actually plays a part in my story, but... Kind of the middle of the story is that when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was very overweight. I was a loser. I didn't really have a lot going on for myself. So I designed this tattoo in Photoshop. It took me like five minutes. And then went to a tattoo parlor on my 21st birthday and got that tattoo, my first one, as a promise to myself that me turning 21 was going to be the end of me being that person. So I've done pretty well at keeping, keeping that promise to myself, but as we all do, I still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's interesting. That's crazy. I, I've noticed that you don't, you don't walk shirtless very often, but every once in a while you do. And I noticed that I was wondering, cause I, I have a few tattoos. I love tattoos. And so I think that's cool. And the meaning behind your tattoo is awesome. And we're going to get into all of that tonight. Um, so just to start the show, I'm going to throw out some rapid fire questions to get to know you a little bit better. And so every question that you get right, you win 100 points, which really aren't worth anything. So don't worry about that part. So the first question I have is, what is your favorite movie? Like, do you like movies in general? And what's your favorite movie? So I am a lover of sci-fi. And my absolute favorite movie is by far Interstellar. So Interstellar, that's with Matthew McConaughey? Yep. Yeah, so why, uh, obviously that's a big time sci-fi movie. What about that movie did you love? Well, first off, it's just an experience. It's like two and a half hours long. The soundtrack is incredible. It's just a fantastic 
you know, audio, visual, like everything about the movie is incredible. But one of the reasons why I love it is because I'm also a big enthusiast of space and physics, quantum physics, theoretical physics, all that stuff. And one of the things that I love most are black holes. And a supermassive black hole is one of the central things in interstellar. So anytime there's a black hole, it's like a major player in a movie or a show, I've got to see it. So that's one reason. And then another reason is that Interstellar is actually the most scientifically accurate space movie ever made. So Christopher Nolan, the director, worked with Kip Thorne, a theoretical physicist who wrote pages and pages and pages of calculations about how all this different stuff would work. And they got it as close as they could while still being visually appealing. Yeah, it's an interesting movie. I know it's been a while since I've watched it, but when I, I remember when I watched it, I felt like I don't know. It's uh, I felt like the end of the world is coming, and I felt it felt a little bit dark, and it felt um, I don't I don't know why I feel that way or what what gave me that feeling, but it was it it uh, yeah it was it was it was a great movie, great great actors in it. Uh, what do you think about Matthew McConaughey? I was very pleasantly surprised back then. So when I first saw the trailers for it and saw him, you know, he's done a lot of comedy roles. So I was like, eh, I don't know about this, but he, I thought yeah. he did fantastic. Yeah. A lot of ro- romantic comedies and that was kind of, kind of what got him started. That's mostly mm-hmm. what he did in the beginning. So have you read his new book by chance green lights? I have not, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it is pretty good. I'm in the middle. Well, actually I'm near the end of it right now and I would definitely recommend that. So what kind of music do you like to listen to? So as a lot of people know, I am unironically a huge Taylor Swift fan. And every, nine times out of 10 that I mention her, somebody has something negative to say about that. So I talk about her more. But other than that, <laughs> I love 80s rock, 90s alt rock. So my favorite bands are Tool and Nine Inch Nails. And then I also dabble in EDM, especially trance, big Dead Mouse fan, Armin Van Buren, Tiesto, those kind of people. It really just depends on the mood. Yeah, it sounds like you've you've got a little bit of retro blood in you, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you pick that, like, so do you pick that up from your parents, do you think? I potentially, I forgot to mention Synthwave. I'm a big Synthwave fan as well, but so even more retro. But I love kind of that nostalgia for 80s and 90s culture. So I was born in 1990s, so a little bit too late to appreciate the 80s, but I love just the retro vibes, like 80s music, and like that's actually a big reason why my brand colors are the way they are, because, you Mm. know, there was a lot of that pink to blue gradient in 80s and 90s stuff. Yeah, so... uh... Moving on a little bit, what's your favorite meal? So you're on death row. You can eat anything you want. It's your last meal. What, what are you eating? Well, in that case, I would have to go full comfort food and go chicken parmesan for sure. <laughs> but if I was in a bit more chill of a situation, maybe a nice romantic date, then definitely some salmon. Dude, you're, you're on death row. There's no romantic date. I mean, maybe that's another request that I can make. Who knows? 
I got you. That's fair. All right. So uh, where have you visited that is unforgettable? What is your most unforgettable or your most memorable travel? Edinburgh, Scotland. So in 2013, I studied abroad through Chattanooga State Community College. We were studying British literature for six weeks. So we went through a tour of Scotland and we were actually writing a paper about the Scottish battle for independence and all that stuff, but also reading some of the short poems and writings like at the places. So one of the things was reading about the battle of Stirling bridge while sitting at Stirling bridge. But we ended in Edinburgh, the capital of Scotland. And it was just absolutely incredible. I've always loved British architecture for some reason. So it was a great experience, but we were only there for like three days. So I'm definitely planning on going back probably next year. Wow. So, okay. I have, man, I have one more, one more rapid fire question, but it would be a really good transition, but screw it. I'm just going to ask you. So, all right. Favorite luxury item under a thousand dollars. What do you just love? I've got to say the AirPods I'm talking on right now. So the AirPods have been one of the best purchases I've ever made, if not the best because they just work. They work really well. The noise canceling is good. The audio is good most of the time. And they're just super convenient. So I got to go with my AirPods, AirPod Pros specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just going to ask you, you must have the, with the uh, AirPod Pros, the noise canceling is insane. I mean, yeah. when you're in an airplane and you, you cancel out the noise, man, it does give you a lot. I don't know what's exactly going on there scientifically, but like it feels like there's a suction or something because it, it, it actually it the, do you get that feeling like there's some some kind of suction going on in your ears yeah it's actually anti-noise so what it's doing is calculating the inverse sound waves of whatever ambient noise you have around you and that's how it's canceling it out that is just insane that you could even like know that and say <laughs> that out loud uh so okay so before that i asked you okay your your most unforgettable place and you mentioned scotland and so you know and how you were studying there and so now i want to move into a little bit about your childhood your family your schooling to give us just a closer look at who you are i think this is first of all just like for the people listening tonight this is so important because i i think this is um this really kind of builds a foundation for where we're going and, and, and for kind of figuring out who Joey is today. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and, and what that looked like. Sure. So I was born in Kentucky. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a kind of sort of professional pool player. So about a year after I was born, my mom went back to being a nurse, but she became a traveling nurse. So what that means is she was taking temporary contracts all across the southeastern United States. So I've actually lived in almost every state in the southeast, plus a few others across the country. Well, because we were only ever in one place for two or three months at a time, I couldn't go to public school, right? But my dad had some mental issues, and it's not using that in a derogatory way, actually, like diagnosed mental issues and he didn't want me doing any kind of schooling at all for some reason so i say that i was unofficially homeschooled 
Hmm. Nine times out of 10, people are like, well, what's that mean? That means that I wasn't schooled at all before I started college at 22 years old. So basically what I did was I read, I listened to music, I watched NASCAR, and I watched stuff like Bill Nye, the Science Guy, Speed Racer, that kind of thing. So, all right, that's just crazy. So quick question as an aside, have you ever read the book Educated by Tara Westover? No, I haven't. Okay, so uh, she actually grew up kind of in you know, the, the hills, literally in the hills of, I can't even remember where, but she, she never went to school either. She was homeschooled. She never went to public school and she wasn't allowed to. And um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy situation. But the, the amazing thing is she came out of that. She ended up getting um, uh, scholarships to Harvard and, you know, Oxford and crazy stuff like that and, and wrote this memoir and, and it was amazing. And so, I mean, your story is, I, I'm, I'm not connecting the dots. So you didn't go to school. It sounds like you, you know, you did some reading and you did watch Bill Nye, the science guy, but how, I don't understand. Like, how did you, when you applied to school, uh, if I, if I, I think I found something that said that you maybe went to like a community college or something like that for your first year, but how do you get into college without transcripts and all that? So when I was around 18 or 19, well, backing up a little bit, when I was 16, I got addicted to World of Warcraft. For those who don't know, WoW is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, so very social. And I quickly got addicted to that. I also got up to about 370 pounds and developed pre-diabetes. I was playing 12 to 16 hours a day. So I had zero ambition to do anything other than play that game. But my mom, who is my absolute hero, started pushing me to try to do something outside of World of Warcraft. And then I one day realized that I wanted to make a better future for myself and my future family. So my family was pretty poor for a while. When I was 11 to 16, we were living at a flea market and I actually took over my dad's job there at the flea market making like five bucks an hour picking up trash. And I decided I didn't want my future family to go through that kind of thing. So to actually finally answer your question, the path started with me getting my GED, the general Mm -hmm. equivalency diploma, which here in the U S is equivalent to a high school diploma. You just go and study and take an exam for it. So I got that. I took the SAT. And then when I was 22 years old, I, started at a community college. Okay, I'm going to pause you just there for just a second because I'm just trying to, again, just to connect these thoughts. So you got a GAD, but the reality is, like, you hadn't been going to school. And so how did you, like, I mean, I, how did you study for that? Like, how did you, how did that happen? I really was carried by my English scores. So, like I said, I I spent years reading. Mm. So, you know, with those kinds of exams, these English sections are, you know, how do you word the sentence or what's wrong with the sentence Mm -hmm. or all this stuff. So I did really well on that portion and the writing portion, but Mm -hmm. I did terrible on the math. I did not know geometry or anything like that. 
So luckily I did well enough, like barely past the math section, but got carried by my other scores. So I was able to pass that. All right. So you get through GED and, and so now you're, now you like the SATs are a little bit harder to kind of slide by. So, I mean, how did that, how'd that go? It didn't go great. So I did not spend enough time studying for that as I should have. I was uh, 20, 21, I think, when I took it the first time. And I just did not study enough, but I passed it, barely. Again, same thing happened where, you know, my writing and my English skills got me through. Basically, I almost failed the math portion on that, too. Hmm. And... You know, I got a 1650 out of 2400 back. That was back when it was a 2400 point scale. So you get your SAT and now you apply where and what happened after after you've you know get, got some sort of a, a passing score, if you will, or a, a good enough score on the SAT. Well, first of all, let me again, let me just slip back a little bit. What were you reading? I mean, you're saying, well, I, I read a lot and you, know, you watched some TV, but what were you reading? So like any teenager during that period, I was a big fan of Harry Potter. I was also into Goosebumps and Animorphs when I was a kid, but I was reading a lot of fiction, especially science fiction. Hmm. I just absolutely destroyed books. Yeah. And I mean, really, thank God that like you just loved reading and because that that really set you in a in a good path. Right. I mean, if you wouldn't have had that reading, I, I think this would be a whole different story, I think. Yeah, for sure. It was the reading and then actually me playing World of Warcraft so hard and playing with a community that mm-hmm. helped me with my social skills. So if I hadn't been playing World of Warcraft when I started college, I would not have been nearly as good at being part of the campus. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And that's actually, I, I, again, I highly recommend that book. It's, it's one of probably the top five books I've ever read um, called Educated by Tara Westover. I think uh, there may be a lot there that you can relate to. And I think that, you know, that is, that is something that, that is a real issue when, you know, you've been kind of isolated and maybe not, you know, going to public school, um, we we brought our kids here to Guatemala uh, nine years ago, and at the time there were you know eight, ten, and eleven. And so as they go back to the United States, uh, my son is in the United States, um, and then uh, my daughter went to the states, but she's since moved back to Guatemala. But it does you know that social integration has probably been one of the biggest challenges, to be honest with you. So. Um, I, I can see how, you know, that's great that you had that community to kind of help you through some of those things. So now you, um, you get this, you've, you're, you apply, where do you go to school and what, what on earth do you start studying? Like, what, what does that look like? So I applied to Chattanooga State Community College and I actually started as a business major. The reason why was purely money driven. So like I said, my mom was a nurse. And I got this idea in my head that I wanted to become a hospital administrator because they made like six figures or whatever. But within about six weeks of being there, I changed my major to computer engineering. 
So computer engineering, you're there. And what was the motivation for that? So I'm guessing, so it sounds like you went to school and you're like, okay, I, I got to figure some way to make money. Like this, this sounds like, a, I mean, seems like a good way to make money. And then, but why did you make the move to computer engineering? The catalyst for that decision was my advisor wasn't a very nice person. And that kind of turned me <laughs> off to it initially. And then I realized that MBAs were getting kind of oversaturated even back in those days. So I was thinking, okay, I want to change my major. What do I want to do? And then I realized that I was into games and science and space and stuff like that. So I chose computer engineering because it seemed like a good field to go into with a lot of different opportunities. And the initial thing that I wanted to do was design probe hardware for NASA. Wow. That is, that is pretty insane. So, all right, so you go to this community college for how long did you go there? And then what was the next step for you? I was there for about two and a half years, graduated in May 2014 with a 4.0, and then transferred to the University of Tennessee Chattanooga campus. And I was there for a year and a half. So I transferred out of UTC in December of 2015. All right, and then, and then what? What happened after that? So while I was at, well, nearing the end of my time at Chattanooga State, obviously I was thinking about the long game, you know, mm -hmm. what I wanted to be doing, where I wanted to go ultimately. And I decided on the Georgia Institute of Technology here in Atlanta, Georgia, came down and toured the campus, immediately fell in love with not only the campus, but the city, which is why I'm still here, even after I graduated, and I'll, I'm always going to be here in Atlanta. And somehow got accepted to Georgia Tech. I don't really know how that happened, to be, be honest with you, so don't, don't, don't ask me how I got in there. But okay. I managed to do it, so... I transferred there in January 2016, was there for three years, and then graduated in December 2018. Wow. So, that, I mean, that's that's really fairly recent. Yep. I mean, we're 2021. So, I, I have to imagine, I've seen uh, a couple of videos or maybe a video with your mom, and I she just seems like the sweetest person. She's your biggest hero, right? You love her. And so, she must at this point, just be so incredibly proud of you as you're graduating, right? Yeah, for sure. She was definitely way more excited at graduation than I was. <laughs> I was just, I, I got, I didn't get burnout at any point in my six years of college until October of my last semester. Then it just hit me out of nowhere. So by the time we went to graduation, I was just like mentally burnout. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm guessing your mom and I are probably very similar ages. I am, uh, I'm an older guy, I'm 55 years old, and just listening to your story, man, and like what, what you've been through, and you know, not like it was traumatic or anything, but just like, I mean, not going to school, just being at home, and, and, and you know, being overweight and, and really struggling. I mean, they're, they're, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I have to imagine with some of the things that you're describing that that was that there were times that you really struggled. And then to see you come out the other end with, you know, this degree and, um, 
you know, you're obviously very intelligent and I, you know, I love your page. I love your videos. I love, I feel, you know, just from watching the videos, I do feel, I think people have a sense of knowing you, which is kind of weird. Um, but man, I just, you know, I just want to tell you how, how proud of you. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory way at all, but I'm just so incredibly proud of you, man. Um, you know, I just, just looking at what you've done has just been amazing. So I'm excited to kind of, you know, keep going and talking about some of the things you're doing right now. So you graduate and that was again, very, very recently, a few years ago, then what? So then in January of 2019, I started a job doing web development for a company here in Atlanta. And I immediately hated it. I, within the first two or three weeks, I knew that this wasn't right. I just don't like the enterprise corporate software development atmosphere. So because of that, I actually wound up getting pretty depressed for a while. My spirits were running pretty low because I spent six years in college thinking that when I graduated, I was going to have this great life. I was going to have it all figured out, going to build up this existence here in Atlanta. And I felt like I wasted all that time and effort. I felt like a failure. Mm. So I was kind of wallowing in that for a few months and honestly, like abusing myself, like binge eating, binge drinking, stuff like that. And then, so parallel to this, the story of how my business came to be was kind of running in the background up until that point. Because at this point, you're, you're, I mean, I get you, man, like you, you just went through all that and now you're, you're going to work and within a few weeks, you're like, this is not what I was imagining and this is not what I want to do for the rest of your life. And so, you know, you're, but at the same time, you're, you're still going into, I'm guessing you're still going into work every day mm -hmm. and you're just like, it's sucking. And so you've got this something else kind of, you know, growing in the background. So tell me about that. Sure. So that is what became the Improvement Geek Project, which is what became Cypreneur. So to rewind a little bit, the story of how that came to be started in the summer of 2018 while I was up in Nashville, Tennessee at an internship. So as I mentioned earlier, I used to weigh 370 pounds. Throughout my life, I've lost 170 of that. Well, in the summer of 2018, I was about 30 to 20 pounds away from my goal, but I was stuck and I felt like I wasn't making any more progress towards that goal or personally or really anything. So I started reading a personal development book just completely on a whim for the first time ever. It was Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy. And there was something that he said in the first couple hours of that audiobook. I don't remember what it was. It'd probably be a platitude, the money Twitter standards, but whatever. Something in there that I heard that just blew my mind. I quickly got kind of addicted to self-help content. Started reading a lot of books, you know, like a lot of people do. It's pretty common. And I learned some stuff and I was enjoying it, but I also got tired of the cliches and the nonsense and the unhelpful advice that I was hearing all the time. So being a science guy or having the engineering mindset or both, 
I switched over to reading stuff about psychology and neuroscience and physiology to actually understand my brain and my body and how they worked. So I did that throughout the rest of college and then in early 2019. But then around February or March of 2019, I realized I could take the stuff I've been learning and use it to help other people. And so this idea of creating content to share with other people was born. So on May 4th, 2019, I uploaded my first ever YouTube video under the name Improvement Geek. I wound up making a video every single week for, I think, seven or eight months. Got kind of burnt out with YouTube because the medium just didn't really fit me back then. I wasn't good at communicating this stuff. So I got on Twitter in January of 2020. I had like 200 followers at the time. Got on Twitter, started sharing my message, the concepts I learned, started networking with people, learning from other people, and now here we are today. But the reason why I wanted to go into that is because that was kind of running parallel to this transition out of college and into my career. Mm-hmm. And that really gave me a, a North Star, like something to be passionate about, something to give me a purpose amidst the unhappiness with the way my life had gone up until then. So I see that you started your, your Twitter account in 2011, but what I'm hearing you say is, first of all, I think you said May 4th of 2019, which is two years ago. And this is such an important thing for people who are listening to here is your life can completely transform within a year or two. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, interviews with AOP and, you know, with success theory, Stephen success theory and, it is insane what someone can do in 12 to 18 months. So you started your Twitter account in 2011, but it sounds like it was more like January, if I remember right or read somewhere, but January of 2020, which is a year and a half ago, is when you really kind of got things started with Twitter. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, so what I did was I made the mistake of kind of hijacking all of my personal social media accounts and making them my brand accounts. Because I, I had the the novice idea of, well, I already have followers here, so I'll just take advantage of that. So this is actually my old personal account that I'm using now. Wow. So your Twitter account is your old personal account. That's yep. incredible. Okay. So... Um, all right. So why Twitter? So what, I mean, obviously you could have gone to Instagram, could have done Facebook. What was it about Twitter? Why did you end up on Twitter specifically? I think it was because of the bite size content pieces. I was able to just share little thoughts about these different concepts, but it was also because it's so easy to network with other creators. Hmm. That was the big thing that attracted me. So I quickly started, or I quickly came across people like Rogue Welt, Jose Rosado, Dan Coe, you know, people of that caliber. And I was mm-hmm. able to communicate with them and network with them so easily. And that's one of the biggest benefits of Twitter mm-hmm. as a platform is because you have this easy access to great people like that. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I'm I'm just now realizing. It's insane how 
we're literally just one direct message away from so many different people and not everybody's going to respond and, you know, but you're, you're literally that close. So over 33,000 followers in a year and a half, how much does Twitter have to do with you? Well, let me back up a little bit. So, because <laughs> this is a big deal. So you have this career, you've got this side thing going on, but what happened, like, uh, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like a week ago, you left your job and you're now unemployed, right? Yep, that is true. I My first full-time week of entrepreneurship was last week. Oh my gosh, I can't even, dude, how, how does it feel? Like, do you, I mean, you didn't even work there long enough to have like this residual kind of, you know, wow, I feel like I'm still working or anything like AOP also recently... Um, retired. And I would imagine that it's taken him a little bit more adjustment. So how do you feel uh, for, over this last week? What does that feel like to you? It's felt good. Honestly, it hasn't felt like much has changed. I do feel a distinct reduction in stress. Mm. But honestly, I've really just been focused on the future. I've been focusing on the next steps that I want to take, the things I want to build, the content I want to create. I'm just for better or worse, I'm one of those people that's constantly forward looking and looking on to the next thing. Do you feel like, I mean, how much does Twitter, I guess, have to do with you changing careers or you, you know, stepping away from your job and, and doing what you're doing now? Like, did Twitter have a, a big part of that? Or, you know what, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, you were moving in that direction and maybe Twitter sped it up. Or what does Twitter have to do with that? Twitter is absolutely by far the biggest piece of that transition. And that's because of my network. Honestly, like I am not too proud at all to say that I am where I am because of my network. You know, it's, I'm so thankful to know the people that I do to have made the impression on the community that I have so far. And, you know, Becoming part of such an incredible community and growing my network is how I was able to scale my account and my own community, but also start and scale my business. Yeah. So I listen, I'm just going to take like a short break here just to point out to everyone who's listening is if, you know, regardless of whether or not you want to build your Twitter account for, you know, for whatever reason, I think that Joey is, is just giving us a really great kind of example of what is possible, number one, but how important relationships are. And he's talking about his network, but his network is, is I'm guessing, people like Dan Coe and the people that he's met. And, and I, again, I don't know, but Dan Coe a year and a half ago probably didn't have, you know, 30,000 followers or 50,000 followers, whatever he's got right now. I mean, it, it's, in other words, you kind of, you have built this network, it sounds like to me, kind of from the ground up, like when you started, it wasn't like you were, you know, really connected with a bunch of guys who were super successful on Twitter. This is something that you, you've reached out, you've become friends, and um, you guys have kind of lifted each other up and, and encouraged each other along the way. I mean, does that sound kind of, does that sound about right? Yeah, definitely. So Danko was actually the first person who really reached out to me and was like, Hey man, like, I like what you're doing. Do you want to join this group of like other people? And 
you know, over a year later, like the people from that group and Dan, of course, are some of my closest friends. But yeah, it's exactly right. You know, we all support each other. We all build each other up. We're always there for each other to talk about ideas and all that stuff. It's just you, you know, one of the things that I notice people do sometimes when they come into a community like this is they're very closed off and they don't want to, they don't want to tell people like what they're working on because like, Oh, I don't want people to, I don't want to compete. Right. I don't want to tell, I don't, I don't want to compete with these people. But if you got it more from the perspective of cooperation, you're going to get so much further. And you also have to have the opinion of, or the perspective of like, we're all doing different things in different ways. So there's really mm-hmm. enough for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody is doing something different, but it is, you're all, um, you all go well together though. And so th- I don't have this as a question, but I just wondering what, what is your relationship to um, Modern Mastery HQ? So are you, are, I, obviously you're, you're part of that, that group of, you know, basically that mastermind group, or I don't, I don't want to call it a course. What would you, how would you describe it? And what is your relationship and what is your role there? So I am a, a partner of MMHQ. So what that means is I create daily content, you know, little, little snippets, actionable advice, and then I write actionable articles for, you know, optimizing your performance, managing your time, all that good stuff. And then I also interact with the people in the community to answer their questions, help them grow and make them laugh with some really stale memes. Uh, Well, just as a short plug, so if somebody wants to uh, become a part of MMHQ, which I am a part of, and I absolutely love it, and it's insane the amount of information that is there, how would somebody, what would you recommend is the best way for people to, to get hooked up? So there's a link in Danco's bio, and I see that he's in here, or I do have an affiliate link, which is Mastery dot cypreneur.com yeah so i just want to another take another quick break and just let people know the people who are listening it make sure obviously that you're following cypreneur and let me just tell you that um we're just getting started he we talked earlier he said we can go as long as we need to go but we're now just getting ready to dig into some some stuff but i wanted to give you guys a background of who he is because it, it just this really builds up it's uh, to to kind of take us where we're going and some of the things that he's going to be sharing so make sure you're following him uh his content is is top of the line uh we have dan co uh, up there as well make sure you're following him as well because he's uh listen uh, he is one of my favorite people on the internet and for sure on Twitter. And uh, if I had to pick one person to follow, I think it would probably be Dan Co. So make sure you're following both of those guys. They are uh, massive, massively important. Um, all right. So looking at my notes here. Okay. So now you've, you're, you've left your job. You've got this coaching business. 
how would you describe what you do right now? So uh, what kind of coach are you? Would you call yourself a performance coach or a human optimization coach? Like what is it that you do and what do you coach people on? So I am a performance coach for business owners and I help them optimize their performance with proven science-backed methodology. Okay. And so um, we're just going to dive off into a couple of areas here. When and how did you decide to do your daily walks? First of all, if, if you guys aren't familiar with that, make sure you're following him and you can go just every day. You can go back in his timeline and everyone is standalone. Every one of his walks, they're all about 45 seconds, a minute maybe. And as a matter of fact, this Friday is day 365, if I'm not mistaken, um, and that means he's been doing these daily walks with his camera, his video camera, his iPhone or whatever he has. And he's, he's posting those every day and every day is like this, just nugget of encouragement or this nugget of this idea of how you can improve your life or optimize your systems. And so, um, I, I recently, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but you mentioned that on day 365, you're going to be doing something special for uh, your followers. Does that sound yes, right? Yes, indeed. And so you're going to tell everybody what that is tonight, right? I can. Yeah, do it. I would love to. So to celebrate day 365, I'm going to ask absolutely everyone who would like to, to either reply to that video with a question or DM me a question, and I will send you a personalized video response answering your question. Okay, that's insane. So, all right, and so is it the first 10 or 15 or 20 or how, how many people are you gonna do that for? As many people do it. Okay, so listen, you guys, he has not announced this yet, so make sure you write that down and you put that as something that you're gonna do on Friday because as you'll see, as we go through this, this guy is uh, a powerhouse of information. So, all right. So doing these, I'm just curious about this whole video thing. Do you have a plan before you leave the house? Like, okay, I'm going to leave the house on my walk. This is what I'm going to talk about today. And, and then how on earth do you come up with your ideas? Because every day is something different. No, nine times out of 10, I intentionally do not have a plan for those videos when I leave my apartment. I don't think about what I'm going to talk about until I'm out there on the sidewalk, trying not to get ran over. And I just think, think about like, okay, what would be cool to talk about? What's something relevant? What's something that maybe I said to a client? What's something from a conversation I had? What's something that I'm dealing with? And then I just think about it. And when I grab onto a topic, I raise up my phone and I hit record. So, my question is, do you plan on doing this Fridays 365? Is this like something you're going to do for a while, forever? Like, what are your plans? I'm getting to at least day 1000. Wow. Okay. Um, what is, what are some of the lessons? I have to imagine you've been doing this for three, 365 days. What are some of the things that you've taken from that for yourself? Like, what have you learned from that? Probably the biggest thing that I've gotten from that is improving my speaking ability on short notice. So doing those videos has helped me with conversations just like this one and conversations with my clients and 
conversations with mm. prospects even, you know, it's helped my ability to improvise about something that I wasn't expecting on short notice. So do any of your walks stand out? Like, do, are there any days that you're like, man, I, that's a day I remember 365. I'm guessing there's some days you're like, man, that was, I don't know, that was impactful. Or do you, are there any days that stand out for you? Yeah, uh, definitely. So there was one about a month ago. So you probably, if you watch a few of them, then you know that I'm pretty much always wearing my aviators. But mm -hmm. I got a new pair of aviators that are purple. It's kind of my thing. So I walked out and I was like walking in my car to go get something. And so I had like the black pair of aviators, my old ones on. And I got on this video and I sounded like I was really pissed off. And I was like, I'm mad. I've got to change this. And then I like whipped off the black pair of glasses underneath of it was the new purple ones. And I said, the world is not purpley enough and I'm going to change that and then cut the video. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, listen, anybody who's not seen these talks and these walks, it is super worth it. And, um, I like those lessons. I think, I don't know why, I don't want to even say this out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Like it's something that I feel like I want to do and I'm not even sure why. I don't think I would have something to say every day, but I, I think that it, there's got to be some really, that's got to be impactful, some good lessons in there. So would you recommend other people to do this? Yeah, totally. So I actually started it just as a thing for a month last July. So I actually started that in the psychology fact of the day series I have on the same day. And they were going to be just for the month of July last year. But the reception to those two series was so good that I decided to just keep them going indefinitely. Hmm. I like it. All right, man. Now I want to dive into some things that I think that you're really good at and you know, that's helping people to be more productive. So I'm just going to be bouncing around here and there. And so just bear with me, but uh, are you ready to, to get into some of this stuff? I'm always ready to rant about performance. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So first of all, listen, I think that health is at the top of pretty much everyone's mind. So let's just start there. And, you know, depending on which reports you read, obesity is around, you know, 35, 37% in the United States. And don't skip over that, that number for the people who are listening. 35% of people in the United States are obese. That's not overweight because additionally, there are another 33 to 35% who are overweight. So pretty much two thirds of the room that you're in, how many people do we have uh, listening right now? Two thirds of the people. Now listen, on money Twitter, it's probably a lot lower, but two thirds of any room you're in are, are overweight or obese. So that's crazy. You said you lost 179 pounds, which is a person. And so I think it's fair to say that you have this level of experience in losing weight. And I think that, you know, talking about that specifically, a ton of people started the year out with big weight loss goals. And I think that uh, some of those people right now have already given up on those goals. They're like, okay, it's June. I, I'm off track. So my question for you is, what do you say to that person who has tried 50 times? They've tried 
20 different diets and they are tired and they give it up. Um, but you have been on both sides. What do you tell that person? And like, what are some actionable things for someone who wants to lose weight and what can they do? So I have three answers to that. One is to start small. So a perfect example of this is New Year's resolutioners who come out of the blur of the Thanksgiving and Christmas binges and they set their New Year's resolution and say, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do it this time. So they get a gym membership. They throw out all the cookies. They radically change their diets. The problem is they change too many variables at once. The human brain doesn't like change. It resists change. If you're changing one little knob, that's one thing. But if you're just like a child, like changing all the knobs at once, then you're going to have a bad time. So the very first tip is to change little things at a time. Change one or two things. You know, take one thing out of your diet. Start tracking your food like one day a week. Try a new exercise once a week. Whatever it is, just start small. The second tip is within reason the best diet and exercise program is the one that works for you. So like anything else nowadays on social media, there's a lot of tribalism around diets. You have the vegans fighting with the carnivores, fighting with the keto people, fighting with this, the calories in, calories out people, and it's just a mess. The best thing to do is to figure out the eating plan that works for you because Ideally, you're not just going to be eating this way while you're losing weight. It's a lifestyle change. You should be eating something like that for the rest of your life. I've heard people say, like, man, I can't wait to lose this weight so I can start eating pizza and cookies and beer again. That's the wrong mindset to have. So you need to start from the perspective of sustainability and consistency. Then the third thing you can do is hire a coach. Now, fitness is something that I talk about a bit, and we do work on your physical performance in my program, but if you really want to lose a lot of weight, getting a dedicated fitness coach is the way to go. And for that, I definitely recommend Jack Bly and his partner, Gabe. Having hmm. a coach is going to save you so much time because they've ideally done all the research so you don't have to, so they can work with you to find a program and a plan that works specifically for you. Yeah. So I, I agree with Jack and Gabe. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think if people are interested, you can take a look at Gabe. He's listening right now. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name, but I think it's Gabe Bluegas. And I actually just hired them as coaches a few days ago and we're getting started on the fifth. And so I, I agree. That's awesome that, that you recommend them because I do highly as well. As a matter of fact, I think that we'll probably be having them on a future show because I, I think they have a lot to say. But that's awesome. So start small. Choose a diet of some sort within reason and get a coach if, if you can do that. And I think there's all kinds of options for that, um, even with, uh, with Gabe and uh, his partner. So that's awesome. Um, 
And I love the idea of starting small. I think that's really, you know, there's, there have been a number of books that have come out recently, Tiny Habits and uh, Atomic Habits and, and things like that, which is, is basically just the idea of, of starting small and building from there. So I like that. Um, all right. I love the idea of flow state. So my question is, how would you describe flow state and what steps can someone, you know, what can they take to get there? So flow state is basically peak focus. So for those who have played video games or those who have played sports, it's this feeling of time and everything else just disappearing. And all that matters is you and that thing that you're working on. And this surprises some people sometimes, but it is possible to reach flow state with your work. And so how would you recommend, so what does that mean? Like, how would you recommend someone get there? Are there, is there anything you, I mean, how do you do that? How do you get into that? So one of the very first and very simplest ways that you can start reaching maximum focus or a flow state is to cut out distractions. So, so many people have a messy workspace. They, have their phone sitting in front of them, like beeping and buzzing and meowing at them. And they may have you know, a noisy working environment. The first step is to start cutting down on those distractions. But really, those are external distractions. So while you should cut those out, you should also look at cutting back on internal distractions. So a lot of the people that I work with when they first come to me, the metaphor I like to use is they are feeling like they're drowning in a sea of to-dos. Their mind is a swirling, chaotic mess of all these things that they have to do and want to do and would be nice to do, and it's just a mess. And so when they're trying to work, they can't focus because they have too much on their mind. When they're trying to relax with their friends and family and kids, they can't really focus too much. When they're laying in bed at night trying to fall asleep at 2 a.m., they can't fall asleep because there's too much on their mind. Too many internal distractions. One of the best ways to cut down on internal distractions is to use brain dump journaling, something that I'm constantly, almost every day, talking about in some form or another. But brain dumping is very simple. All you do is grab a pen and a paper, Sit down, take five minutes, write down everything on your mind. All the to-dos, all the ideas, positive stuff, negative stuff, neutral, some weird thing your cat did, everything. I'm not joking. Write down everything that you can think of, everything that's been on your mind for that day. Write it all down and then look at your paper. You can now have a high level, a 10,000 foot view of all these weeds that you were stuck in and all these different threads that were distracting you, then you can start asking yourself, is this important? Is this something I can, can control? Is this something that I can work on today or this week or this month? Is this something I could delegate? Is this something that isn't even a good idea, isn't even important? So you can start systematically processing all these things that you wrote down and then cutting down these weeds. And so what winds up happening 
isn't then later on when you sit down to work or you lay down to go to sleep, your mind is that much clearer. You do that every day. You take that few minutes to do that every single day. You're going to find those internal distractions are so much quieter. So uh, first of all, I, I've only recently heard within the last month about brain dumping. And I think I've been doing kind of a form of it. I, I in, for one of my, you know, part of my morning routine, I get up and, you know, do, you know, meditate and drink, drink water and whatever it is that I do. But one of those things is also journaling. Um, I probably don't dump everything out but but throughout my morning routine i have another notebook where i just put everything that comes across my mind so that i can you know kind of skip that big overview but here's my problem and so maybe you can help me with this and that is uh, now i end up literally you know i get it out of my mind and i feel a lot better i'm able to meditate better i'm able to think better the problem is then you know by in 3 4 days i've got literally like six or seven sheets or pages of brain dump that i've just as i'm i'm doing that morning routine that i've come up with and now i feel like that that to-do list is is longer and it's like never ending so it's creating a problem so there's got to be a way that i feel like i'm doing like half of a brain dump I've, I've got all this stuff out on paper but now my to-do list is longer what do, where do i go from here what's going on so brain dumping has two purposes it should be done every day as part of either your morning routine or your evening routine and it's up to you up to the person to figure out which one works better for them, depending on when you want to do it in the day. The other purpose is for this organization, this task management. And it's the very first step in a three-step system. So step one is brain dumping. Step two is then organizing and prioritizing. Mm. So what you do is you make categories or buckets. My categories are business, personal, and other. That's it, just three. If you have multiple businesses, you have multiple major projects, maybe it'll make sense to add on more categories, but however you choose to do it. Then start categorizing those two do's that you wrote down into these different buckets. Then you can prioritize, but I don't mean make a ranked list. Simply pick out one or two of the most urgent and most important things from each category put a star next to them, circle them, whatever. Then step three is actually putting dedicated time on your calendar to work on either a specific category of work or if you prefer to work on a specific task. Mm -hmm. So the overall theme here is to get stuff out of your head onto the paper and into your calendar. And then the stuff that you haven't yet gotten to, put that in your notion or Evernote or write it down somewhere neat. And that's your backlog. So then you have that stuff stored somewhere where you've gotten it out of your head. You can't quite work on it yet, but you don't have to keep it top of mind because you have it written down. Yeah. It's like, it's like our brain is, is fighting to remember it throughout the day. But you know, if we don't, if we don't write it down, it's going to, constantly be kind of drudging up. Whereas if we write it down, we've taken care of it. And 
But I like that idea of putting it into buckets because that's definitely what I'm not doing. And so I've, I've just got like one big trash bucket that is weighing me down, you know, in a different way. So I think that's great. Um, so one quick question about flow state. I'm just, I went through something and, and is it possible to get into this kind of perpetual flow state? I don't know if you've ever, I'm guessing you have seen the movie Limitless long time ago like when it first came out yeah so this you know this guy takes a pill and he's basically like super genius whenever he's on this pill whatever um so there was a a few months ago that i was super intentional about my diet my exercise i was meditating in the morning journaling and praying and like everything was just my morning routine was just set up well and i was just there was this like this period of two weeks that I couldn't lose. Like I would get more done than I thought was possible. Every decision I was making just seemed on point. I seemed to kind of, you know, flow through my days and, you know, writing and creating more than I ever had in my life. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like everything was going well, but it was like for us, like seriously, a couple of weeks, I literally, you know, I have a meeting in, in, in the morning with my family, my wife and my, my son. And like I would, every day I'm like, you guys, I feel like I'm in the movie limitless like everything i'm doing is just everything was so how does that happen and so what happened for me was i eventually broke a lot of those habits and then like before i knew it i just wasn't in that flow or whatever that's called but how did that happen and how the hell can i get that back i i can speak to this later just saying from a head injury perspective okay thanks rebecca um yeah so that can be achieved once you've optimized your mind, your body, and your time. Those are the three big factors, mental performance, physical performance, and then time management. It's also important to be aligned with the thing that you have on your plate to work with. Mm-hmm. Speaking from experience, it's really hard to motivate yourself to work on something like a job that you hate. Mm-hmm. But if you're working on, I shouldn't use this term, but if you're working on, say, a passion project, something that you're very aligned with, you're going to face much less internal resistance to starting on the task, but also continuing it, right? So it's much easier to access that flow state. So you can reach that point, but I would say the vast majority of people have never really experienced flow when it comes to work. Like I said, it's much easier to get into when it's play, but when it's work, it can be more difficult. So I would advise people to shoot for trying to get into it for an hour a day at first, then bump it up to two hours and then bump it up until you find the sweet spot that works for, you know, you, your lifestyle and the work that you have. Awesome. All right. So we're, again, we're just kind of bouncing around here. I would like to talk to you about a morning routine. What does your personal morning routine look like? And are there, I'm guessing that that's something that you focus on with your clients. And and if so, what are some non-negotiables in a morning routine? Is there something that someone should be, you know, absolutely be doing as part of their morning routine? Or is it, is it really just kind of, you know, depend, dependent on the person? Well, there's certainly these long 
you know, convoluted morning routines of millionaires or, or whatever these clickbaity articles are. Mm-hmm. But the baseline productive morning playbook, as I call it sometimes, is as simple as when the alarm goes off, you get up, do not snooze your alarm. You are absolutely screwing your circadian rhythm for that day. You're going to feel awful. Then get up, turn around, make your bed. That may sound like a cheesy thing to do, but it's a very powerful habit to build. Both Jordan Peterson talks about this, Mr. Lobster Daddy, and a Navy Admiral called William H. McRaven did a commencement speech about making your bed and how powerful it is. Then drink a glass of water because we get dehydrated throughout the night, but also our body and our brain detoxify themselves throughout the night. So it's important to drink that water to help flush that junk out. Next, go outside and get eh, two to five minutes of direct sunlight. If you're obsessed with coffee, like a lot of people seem to be, you can take your bean water out there with you. But go outside, get some direct sunlight on your face and on your skin. And that will help modulate your circadian rhythm so you have an easier time waking up in the morning. But you also have an easier time going to bed at night. So those four things should really be the core of pretty much everybody's morning routine. And then another thing that's good to add on is taking a second to check your calendar for the day. Make sure there aren't any surprises because there's no worse feeling than someone texting you being like, hey man, you got a link to that Zoom call that we had scheduled today? Mm. Learn that one the hard way early on. So make sure there aren't any surprises and review your calendar. So uh, get up, don't snooze your alarm, make your bed, drink some water, get out into the sun and, and set your circadian rhythm. So I think just while we're there, just for a second, if you're listening, and maybe I was the only one, but I only recently learned about the circadian rhythm, which is just sad to me. I'm 55 years old and it's, it's a crime that I don't know, maybe it's not, I don't know, maybe it is taught in high school. I don't know. It wasn't taught to me, but uh, if you if you don't know what the circadian rhythm is, I would definitely uh, write that down and uh, go to you know a dozen YouTube videos and learn about it and and see how you can use it and apply it to your life because it's a game changer. And part of that is um, you know not snoozing your alarm and getting out of bed and and obviously but getting sun first thing in the morning five to ten minutes of sun, but. Uh, we're not going to get into that right now, but I want to tell you that if you don't know what that is, for some crazy reason, make sure that you are studying that and you understand it because it's, it, it, I think it's a game changer. Um, all right. So something that a lot of, and matter of fact, this relates, something that a lot of people struggle with and something that I struggle with, honestly, is getting a great night of sleep. And so um, only recently did I recognize the importance of getting quality and not just quality, but quantity of sleep. Uh, I love my Garmin watch and it tells me when I like where my resting heart rate is through the day. And what I have found is when I don't get good sleep, if I, you know, if I'm on five hours of sleep and my Garmin watch will just, my, my resting heart rate is super high and it stays high throughout the whole day. If I don't meditate, if I don't journal, my resting heart rate rises and it stays higher throughout the day. So how important is sleep in regards to a person's overall, overall health? 
It is absolutely critical. It is the first step to optimizing your performance. And it is always the first thing that I work on with people. It is a requirement. Okay. So uh, what do you tell, what are, what are three or four things that you tell people? Okay. You, Cause and I 1 million percent agree. So somebody's not sleeping well. Um, what are some things that are actionable that they can start tomorrow morning or tonight that they can do to get a better night's sleep and maybe not, they're not going to get it tonight or tomorrow, but, but eventually if they start applying some things to where they're getting better sleep. Yeah. And just as a side note, that's an extremely good point where these things may not have a result immediately, like the first time or two or three that you do them. These are things that you want to do consistently because it's the little things done with big consistency that get you big results. But anyway, so the very first thing you can do is that brain dumping I talked about. So that's going to help clear your mind. You're going to be able to relax better. It's a great habit to build. Second thing is you want to turn off your screens about 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed. The reason why is the light from or the blue light from screens disrupts the production of melatonin, the hormone that makes you sleepy. So a lot of people are working on their laptop, scrolling on their phone, checking email, whatever, up until they decide to brush their teeth and go to bed. Well, there wasn't enough time for your brain to start producing that melatonin. So that's why it takes you a long time to get to sleep. So people are probably wondering, well, what the heck am I supposed to do for this period without screens? Well, you can do things that aren't very physically or mentally stimulating. So off the top of my head, you can do stuff like meal prep. You can clean. You can read fiction or biographies. You can meditate. You can do some very light exercise like yoga. Just you know, stuff to pass the time, but also let yourself calm down. For mm -hmm. those of us who like running, so it may not be many, because running can not be fun. <laughs> but for those of us who, who like running, you know, if you go out for a run, you go run a 5k, you cross the finish line, you're probably not going to be having a normal conversation. You're going to be sweaty, gross, panting, heart rates up, you need a minute to kind of chill. Well, your brain is kind of like that too. Your brain needs some time to wind down before you can go to sleep. So that's another point of this nightly routine period, this dark mode period, as my clients know it as, is to let your brain do the melatonin thing, but also to let your brain wind down. Uh, so I have one of the things you've been talking to us about is um, just optimizing your clients and, and helping them, um, you know, just kind of get more direction. And so one of the couple of the words that have been big for me in 2021 are self-awareness and intentionality, being intentional. How can someone be more self-aware? Because I think that's a big deal. And again, it's just one of those things that I've just recently learned about. So one of the first steps is to start asking yourself some questions. I've always been 
you know, cripplingly self-aware to a fault. So this is not something that I've really had much of an issue with, for better or worse. But ask yourself some questions. So ask yourself, what do I actually like doing? What do I not like doing? What are my values? What am I curious about? And I would challenge people, you know, anytime you see Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever hustle guru that you uh, like to follow, anytime they say the word passion, replace the word passion with curiosity. What do I have a little bit of interest in? What do I want to explore a bit more? What would I want to be doing if I could wave a magic wand? Like, where would I live? What would I have? Start asking yourself these kinds of questions, and they may sound really silly, but they will help you basically intentionally design the life that you want to have, right? It'll help you set these large goals for your life. It'll help you set something that your internal compass points to. And then once you do that, you can start taking actions that are aligned with that direction. You'll go with the flow taking you towards whatever your compass is pointing to. And it'll be so much easier. You'll face a lot less internal resistance to those actions. You know, I think just coming full circle on being self-aware, I think that your being self-aware, which you say that you're really great at, kind of short-circuited, you know, you having this job that you just hated, you know, or you just didn't enjoy you know, if you weren't very self-aware, I think you could have been in, in that job for a while, for years without, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I went to school, I've spent all this time, I did all this studying, and, and now I've got this job. And so this, this is what life is, and this is just who I am, and this is what I'm doing now. But at least, you know, looking from the outside, it seems to me that you were so self-aware that you realized, listen, this is not going to work for me. This is not who I am. And, and really, you know, willing to make that change because you were self-aware enough to, to kind of see the future and to do something different. So I think that being self-aware is, is massively important. And I think being aware of how, you know, we react to other people, how we treat other people, especially those that, you know, the people that we really care about, and when we're self-aware, we can then start making changes to be a better version of ourselves. Um, all right. We're getting near the end. I just have a couple more questions. Uh, what would you say is your perfect day? Now you're, you're, you're doing your own thing, which is I think a lot of people aspire to do that. I, I'm looking at all of the people on here. And some of the people that are, are listening right now are doing their own thing. But I think there are a lot of people who would like to be working for themselves, to be an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I, what would you say would be a perfect day for you now that you're an entrepreneur? You're, you're, you know, what does that look like for you? What time do you get up? What time do you, what do you exercise right away? What does that look like? Obviously, you have your morning routine. But what does your day look like and, and what is a perfect day for you? So that right there is an excellent person for everybody to ask themselves. That's an incredible question. 
So my perfect day would start at 6 a.m. I'm a morning person. Not everybody is. But I get up at 6 a.m., then go through my morning routine. Then I do a little bit of light exercise. Then I go to the park for about two or three hours, and I read. I'm still an avid reader. You know, I read both for my own knowledge and betterment, but also now to help my community and my clients better themselves as well. So got to have some reading in there. Books, articles, research paper, bookmarks, memes, whatever. I read a lot. Then go to the gym, break for lunch, do my walk, and then have my client calls. And having my calls with my clients is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Do a few of those, then start winding down for the day. Maybe play some games, maybe read a bit more, chill, and then do my evening routine. Try to be in bed by 10. Damn, bro. Like, I, I'm just, I'm happy for you, and I'm, uh, I'm proud of you, and I, that sounds like an amazing day. That sounds like an amazing life. And here's, here's what's crazy. And listen, I think it's, I don't know, I keep harping on this. And I, you know what? I think I'm just going to, like, continue to talk about this until um, we have zero followers. But I got to tell you, like, you got here in short order. Like, you started your, your Twitter account uh, an hour, or a year and a half ago. And it seems like an hour and a half ago. A year and a half ago, you built these, this network of really friends like Dan Coe and you know, some of these other guys. You've built this network where you've become part of this network and you're now, you know, you're now living, you know, the dream, really. You are, this really is living the dream. And so I, I just think it's awesome. And I just love, I love that, you know, we, we had Dan Coe on and he talked about how, you know, not very long. I mean, he's tried all kinds of different things online and, and for whatever reason, boom, it hit with him as well here on Twitter. And, um, and I, I got to tell you, I'm 55 years old. I've, I've had a number of successful businesses in my past. And um, this Twitter has been a different thing. And I think one of the things I love most about it is just meeting some really, really cool people and, and really just becoming a better version of myself by talking and, 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 and talking to people like you, but even just following you guys online and, and that inspires me to be better. So man, I, I just love it. And, um, I'm really excited for you. I'm proud of you. Um, one last question I, I think, and I promise, but what's something that you're working on right now that you're super excited about? Hmm working on a few things simultaneously. I would say the biggest thing that I'm working on right now is organizing my day for maximum efficiency. Now note that I didn't say productivity, I said efficiency because mm -hmm. ideally you wanna have a balance. I talk a lot about the concept of sustainability, right? Like not just optimizing your performance for a few days or a few weeks, but giving you systems you can use for the rest of your life. So what I want to do is normalize four hour workdays. This is a concept that my partner, Dan Coe, and I have come up with. Yep. 
because if you have a day where you have four hours of deep work, maybe a few meetings, we all have to have meetings at some point or another, maybe some emails, maybe some Twitter, a cool space like this, whatever, then you can have time to do some stuff that you want to do, chill, watch Atlanta sports teams lose, pet your cat, whatever you want to do, hang out with your family. If you can have a balanced day like that, that's really where you're living the dream. So I'm doing, now that I'm able to be fully focused on my business and my life, I'm working on optimizing my own schedule so that I can learn from that what works and what doesn't, and then take that and share it with my community and my clients as well to help them optimize their own schedules. Well, I love that idea of, you know, for our work, work days, of course, we've all read or certainly heard about before our work week. And it's, it's interesting because I don't think that that's realistic. Like I think a four, I mean, for some people maybe, but um, you know, I think that a four hour work week is kind of crazy, but a four hour work day is absolutely doable. And, you know, especially if we're talking about getting into a flow state and, and cutting out all distractions and, and, you know, putting in uh, just very focused, intentional time for one or I'm sorry, for one hour at a time, 50 minutes at a time and doing that for four hours. Uh, I think that's where it's at. As a matter of fact, I just want to let people know Danco is, is part of the audience. Click on his profile and I'm pretty sure his, tw- his uh, pinned tweet talks about how to do that and it's um how to how to create and how to normalize this idea of a four hour workday. and i'm pretty sure it's a thread and it's something that you definitely want to go check out so um all right so listen if if someone is listening and they wanted to hire you as a coach mm-hmm. what's the best way to get in touch with you i spend quite a bit of time on twitter so twitter dm is definitely the best way or if you prefer a bit classier option, then you can email me at mm-hmm. joey at com. Awesome. Um, I also recently saw that you had a group coaching mm-hmm. and I, it, I don't, it seemed like that filled up pretty fast. Can you tell us what does that look like and how can someone get on a waiting list or tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So I'm super excited about that. I'm currently doing the first round of this group coaching, the first cohort. And the way it works is it's eight weeks long. We have a call every Friday is the day for this iteration. We have a call, we do Q&A, we do a review of the last week. Then we look ahead to the recommendations for the week ahead, answer any questions about those. And then I personally check up on people. Accountability is such a big piece of coaching Mm -hmm. for any kind Mm -hmm. of coaching really. But check up on people. And then I also have a Discord community as well with some private channels for the group coaching members to cheer each other on, to talk amongst themselves, and really have that community aspect. Yeah, I think that seeing other people, um, seeing them succeed just inspires them that they can do it as well and that they can succeed. And so I love that idea of a cohort in that, that private, just accountability, 
uh, channel. So that's awesome. Joey, man, I, you have stayed an extra half hour. Thank you so much for being here. Honestly, I, I don't even know how to thank you, but I really appreciate your being here. You, there is so much great content in, in this show. Uh, I don't know how they're exactly going to, to, to boil it down to the best stuff because it's pretty much just packed. And so I want to thank you for that. Um, before we go, is there anything else that, that we didn't cover anything that you wanted to share with, with the people here? Yeah. So something that's been on, on my mind a lot recently is this concept of our potential as human beings and self-actualization, which is achieving our potential in a given domain. I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all, but I've noticed that most people aren't aware of what they're capable of. They're not aware of their potential. Our potential is massive. We have the most complex object in the known universe sitting between our ears. So the first step is becoming aware of our potential, asking ourselves questions, thinking about what we could possibly do, reading about psychology and neuroscience. Then the second step is to actually take action to take control of our lives, take responsibility for our lives, our environment, our situation. Once we have the awareness and we have the action, we are well on our way to achieving whatever we want to do, really. And that may sound really cheesy. It may sound like, oh, well, every kid could be president. But if you think about your own potential, your specific potentials in different domains, then like set a course for something that you want to do. I'm doing what I want to do now, coaching business owners. Start working towards that goal mm -hmm. and fall in love with the journey. Really, that sounds super cheesy, but enjoy the process. And if you start getting closer or you even get to where you thought you wanted to go and you realize this isn't for me, I don't like this like I did. I spent six years to become a computer engineer. It's okay. We, a lot of us go through that. It's okay to pivot and go down a new path. It's much better to do that than to spend the rest of your life being unsatisfied with what you have. Yeah, man. Wow. I, I mean, I think a lot of people would look at that and they're like, man, six years of going to school and then, you know, boom. I mean, it's just, it, completely pivots almost instantly but then to see you now living really like i said living the dream and doing what you love doing i mean you just can't beat it and and you could have wasted another two three four five ten years you know going down computer programming or computer engineering and and just been miserable for a very long time so being self-aware and moving toward that thing that you love. And I think it's, you know, obviously, I don't, I mean, it's just, it's not just talking about it and tweeting about that thing that you love, but it's actually doing something every day that is moving the ball forward. So Joey, man, you are a boss. I love it. I, I wish I could like, I would love to have a cup of coffee with you. And if I'm ever in Atlanta, I will definitely reach out to you, but you've been amazing. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, and I want to just thank everyone else for being here too and sticking with us for this extra half hour that we've had on tonight. Um, 
I think I'm pretty sure that we're the only Twitter space that has formally invited Elon Musk. And also, I wanted to let you know, um, Joey, that we I also reached out to Dr. Andrew Huberman to join us. Uh, but then we switched uh, switched channels. So even if he 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 clicked on the link, it would have been ended. So I apologize for that. But I did reach out to him. And so we have that going for us. But um, also, I want to let everyone know that we have a great lineup, an insane lineup, really, for July on Thursday. So in just a couple of days, July 1st, we have Aaron with I am Aaron Will at I am Aaron Will on Twitter. Uh, next Tuesday, we have Ty Frankel. You don't want to miss that one. I am excited about that. It's uh, at the Ty Frankel. And then next Thursday, we have Eddie Kwan. We rescheduled him. Um, and so he is coming on next Thursday. Eddie Kwan, we're on weakness. If you don't want to miss any of these interviews, uh, follow the Apostle and myself. We will give you updates as to who's on next. We really appreciate you guys being here. You know, I specifically just want to let, you know, there's a couple people that continue to show up. Second Chance Wealth, thank you for being here. Dan Coe, man, you have been to, I think, more of our spaces than any other follower. I just, we appreciate you, man, and I, I love what you do. Um, and then, you know, John, thank you for showing up again. Listen, um, we will be back on Thursday. Can't wait to see you. Joey, love you, man. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. Thanks, all.